we're recording. Apologies for the delivery scooter men revving outside my window. <laughs> this is Beyond the Pass, conversations with people from all walks of hospitality life. Centering mental health, Beyond the Pass is a conversation about life, hospitality, and what makes us get out of bed each day. Welcome back to Beyond the Past, everyone. Today we're sitting with Alex Large, who is the co-founder and co-owner of Brother Marcus. They're serving up food and vibes from the Eastern Mediterranean, and they have just opened their third site in Borough Yards. We're so pleased you could join us on the podcast. Welcome, Alex. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, I really want to start by asking you how you sort of got into the restaurant business um, and why Brother Marcus was that restaurant. Myself. Tass and Arthur had all been doing different things. We, we all met each other at school when we were 16, left school at 18. All went off and did separate things. Uh, went to drama school and was an actor for a few years. Tass was a photographer after going to art school. And Arthur did some, like American, no, it wasn't American politics. But it was like global politics. And he doesn't even remember, neither do we. Um, <laughs> and um, then he was working in branding and, and doing all sorts of other bits. And then I was working loads in restaurants as an actor, as a barista and front of house and on the bars. And then Tass, his, he was also working in street food and doing loads of other bits. Um, and his family had a restaurant in Crete or have a restaurant in Crete. So we all kind of put our skills uh, together. And we were talking about it for a while and had the opportunity in this place in Ballam. We knew the landlord who had this greasy spoon and we just basically came up with a deal on the back of a cereal box. Uh, and that was the lease. Uh, we agreed that we'd take it for a certain amount, all fully fitted, and we got going. Uh, brother Marcus, the name, it was a joke for years among us. I'd call Marcus, my brother, Brother Marcus, to my friends. Uh, and then we were coming up with a name, we're like, well, it's got to be Brother Marcus. And like, it's a joke. And then we're like, actually, it's quite good. Are your other brothers jealous? Ben specifically. I think Tom's like, I don't, I don't, I don't want that. Uh, <laughs> but Ben, I know, uh, Ben is pushing all the time uh for brother ben it just doesn't have a ring to it he doesn't and it's not his fault he didn't name himself but <laughs> exactly take it up with mum and dad it's um yeah um in the process of you guys developing sort of the idea and getting more serious about it and then actually opening the doors what was that timeline like uh so we had had the idea of opening a brunch place and then I th i'd say we we think we started the getting that ball rolling in January 2016, we looked at a place in Shoreditch, not far from the Spitterfield site, weirdly. Um, that fell through, thank God. And then Ballum came about in February. And then two months later, we were open. It was fully fitted. So we built all of our own furniture off site in those two months. And we had budget, we had a budget of nine grand, the whole thing. Yes, yeah, so we like three grand each. We built everything in Tass's garden over that over that two month period. And then we got into Ballam on a on a Sunday and we'd open by the Thursday because we had to make money to pay rent the following week because we didn't we didn't have rent in the budget. Um, if you could go back in time to the beginning of that process of sort of like getting the keys and opening the doors, what would you have done? Or like what would the advice be, do you know? Because of the experience we got from it, I would genuinely not, I would like say nothing and just let us, un let it unfold. Because we had to learn, we learned so much. And I think if any advice, any more advice was given, I don't know, we might have avoided things like some really hard lessons that we had to learn. Who was sort of mentoring you in that process? Like, did you have some people in the industry who were sort of, 
giving you guys advice that you didn't want to take or like helping you with the fit like uh, we, uh, we absolutely went in blind um we had a, there was a couple of people uh who so my old boss when i was working at caravan and exworth market years ago he a guy called aj on the bar bar manager he came and helped out when we started and he gave us some like guys you just cannot run a restaurant like this like you, like eho nightmare stuff so he was pretty useful to have around for the first like few weeks um and then we we, we managed to pick up some mentors like six months in um but at the beginning there was no one we just went in blind and we were like we know how a restaurant works we've all worked in restaurants uh yeah it was mental and you managed to pay the rent on that first week yeah yeah never missed a payment in Balham or that first chunk of time when you were opening the first site I imagine yeah. that your job was a bit of an everyman job like you must have been on the floor behind the scenes doing sort of everything yeah so we when we first opened we were uh we were the barista the waiter and the chef head chef bar manager general manager <laughs> uh operations like head of like everything we just there was no one and then we managed to like pick up a few staff and then start to understand what like management structures were and and like general weekly procedures were and what HR is not even we like none of us had even worked with an HR person in our lives and so uh, yeah we had to we had none of it and then it, it was it was kind of cool I really enjoyed it was like because we had no one guiding us and telling us and handing us like handbooks of like this is a contract. We had to like create everything ourselves and dig and find and uh, when we needed it. So it was a really nice, nice, natural start. Did you have a sense for yourself of how you wanted your job to change? What is in personally for us? For you personally. Like when you're at the beginning of the road and you're like, we're doing everything ourselves right now. I'm an everyman. But I hope that in five years, this is what my role is. Did yeah, def definitely. For the first year... I was still acting, so my all of us wanted to employ management and uh, and all the staff and allow them to run it, so we could then have like stand back and go, do we do a, do we want to do another one of these? What do we want to do? Uh, we always treated the first like Balham as like a I don't know like the University of Restaurants for ourselves, and we always we always said Balham was going to be that. Um, and because I was still acting, I wanted to be, to get it set up and be able to leave and, and come back. We all agreed that we wanted to be able to step back. Mm -hmm. And have you um, successfully done that? Yeah, well, I, and I, I kind of, after that first year, we luckily, we're really lucky we got approached and, and got investment. And so it started to become more serious of like, oh, actually this, this does work, we're busy and oh, we're actually happening to make money and people are really enjoying the product and, and what we're doing. We all really enjoyed that first year as well. So it was, we all were deciding, yeah, this is, this is what we want to do. Again, we've just continued to learn. So, you know, first you've got these like stupid grand ideas. You're, we're now 26 years old. You go, we open a restaurant, it's making money. And you're like, oh my God, I'm going to like, this is awesome. I'm going to be sitting on the beach by the time I'm 28 for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> um oh what a fool <laughs> yeah, yeah oh god um and so like you again like we learn those lessons of how hard it is to run a business and and how much work it really needs so it's constantly changing we are in a position now where we where we 
we have a head office, we have a management structure. Tass and I, because Arthur's uh, stepped back, um, we have, we're in a position where we are kind of, I don't know, we don't have titles and roles. We're not quite there yet, but I guess you would call us MDs. And we, uh, yeah, we're there. We, we both really enjoy what we're doing and, and the positions we're in. When you think about what your job actually is every single day, does yeah. that surprise you? Or does it feel like what you expected? I'm not surprised by it, no. Mm. I think it is what uh, we imagined. But, it, but then the industry constantly changes as well. Mm. So, like, whatever you imagine. I don't, I don't ever imagine anything forward anymore because I think after a few years, you realise that the industry is just, I don't know, it just gets, it gets battered and bruised a lot. Um, and you're constantly just fighting off and, and, and those issues that are being, uh, we're being hit with. So I'm kind of, I don't really have any expectations going forward other yeah. than being ready to uh, firefight the next problems that come our way. Yeah. I mean, it's a really specific skill, I think, to sort of thrive in that kind of blindness. Yeah. And to be able to particularly negotiate like the care of people and being responsible staff particularly as you grow and the business gets bigger and bigger like that's something that's so specific and I think people kind of have that or they don't totally and like you know we talk about culture a lot and you can't systemize all culture and you can't expect people to be the same you can't expect people to be this like the same person to be the same two years later the way things have gone with covid and with brexit over the past few years the, the the needs for staff change the whole time so mm. i've conversation had a conversation with um hr and we've just reevaluated what we believe staff want or people of this day and age want from their jobs now at the moment and that's very different to what it was two years ago i think before covid and brexit so you have to like refocus all the time like that change that you talk about like that shift sort of around expectations or what the demands are what do you see those things being uh those three things at the moment are pay i think the cost of living is aggressively rising as we can all see and i think that's terrifying people and people need to just know that they i think it's so on people's minds mm -hmm. that everyone just needs to know that what they're getting paid is going to cover the cost of living in their life so that's the big one um, and I think, secondly, it's feeling valued. Uh, and then third, it's an offer of development. Those needs or desires in a job were probably already there two years ago. I think that because of the climate with COVID and with Brexit, like having to listen to that or having to spend time understanding it has become absolutely vital if you want to be competitive. Yeah, totally. In terms of staff retention. And it's also interesting how... In other industries, those three things, that would have been at the forefront of hiring all the time. And hospitality has had to play catch up. And that's yeah. not like the way that you guys hire. That's the way the industry hired for such a long time with no, with very little, not little regard is the wrong word, but that wasn't at the center when we were bringing people on board. But generally five years ago, genuinely, mm. CBs, I remember, no, this is maybe seven years ago. It's quite a long time ago, but CBs would come through the door Everyone would go, yeah, yeah, sure, and then just throw the CV in the bin. I would watch managers do that in different restaurants. I've done that. Um, but yeah, it's 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 changed really quickly. And you're right, it's always been there, those three things, like in every other industry. Um, we just haven't been looking at it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's also like the 
people who were sort of hiring with that perspective in mind or understanding staffing from that perspective for a long time, they've had a much easier road over the past year than a lot of businesses who haven't been in that mindset. Yeah. And I think that it's really difficult at the moment where I can see the wages that are being offered for positions like AGM, supervisors, whatever. And because those rates have gotten so high, and I mean, in my mind, people are finally being paid what they're worth, yeah. but it means that you cannot, you literally cannot undervalue positions anymore or like squeak by. Yeah, yeah, totally. They'll go to the next guy. Like they just will. And they should, you know, realistically. And, and interestingly, if you look at all job job adverts out there now, the uh, the, the teams who are very good at these three points, I'm going to use Deshoom as an example because I do think they're, they do have a very good setup with their, um, the way they manage their staff, but all of it states how they're going to look after you, and it like every detail is in that job description on on like staff benefits and how they're going to look after you, and the pay is very clear on how, and it's just um, they're doing it. The, those those three points, it's it's now like being advertised, and I think that's mm -hmm. what's going to hook people as well. Mm -hmm. I think so too, and I think it has changed our expectations in the way that we look for work. And yeah. the people in the industry look for work. And I think all of that is really positive, yeah. not without difficulty. And I really can't solve the economic problem of like restaurants making as much money as they used to, if not maybe a little less, but all of a sudden having to compete with high wages. Yeah, it's and a I, real battle. It, it's that, a real battle. And I keep that. joking with my partner that we're going to have to go to McDonald's for Valentine's Day next year because the people that will afford to weather the storm aren't necessarily the places that we love going out to eat. And smaller yeah. independent restaurants won't, be able to sustain and i'm having difficulty like seeing what that future looks like and also in terms of like the price on like we like if you go on google you see that the consistent complaints or criticism that we get are uh, is value for money or or, or just general like attentiveness. Yeah. Uh, yeah yeah so food prices is one and then it's attentiveness and it's uh, the attentiveness is down to just having constant new staff through the door and the steps of service not being followed and food prices is is such a tough one because we we hit the industry standard of like margins and we make everything ourselves we'd like there's nothing we buy in we put so much love into it all and because of that our staff percentage is massive like higher than the mo most people's and how, how how do you combat that like fine let's start buying buying products in completely like ready-made suddenly the quality is going to dwindle and it's like it's a really really tough call and in april vat is going to go up from 12.5 to 20 percent it doesn't look like they're going to allow it to stay uh, reduced food prices are just continuing to rise and the war in uh, russia and ukraine driving up like gas prices and everything it's uh it's terrifying and it, like who who is going to survive it i think you're right it's I, yeah, I don't know. I I hope you guys and I hope other businesses that have the right ethos around food and are trying to create something special and really contribute to the scene in the city. But I don't, I sort of doubt my own optimism around that, or I think my optimism is perhaps hopeful. I think on that note also, like that, how much is out of your control and how much puts your back against the wall? How do you take care of yourself? And like maintain, yeah, stability in moving forward. And you said that you really take things, you stop looking forward because the fires are just going to come as they come and sort of being present in your problem solving. I mean, I think there's this, I mean, you, I say 
that, but Tass and I do a lot of trying to predict the future and looking a year ahead mm-hmm. company um, because you don't just want to be reactive. You do want to be ahead of it sometimes, but there's an element of going, oh shit, that problem's come out of nowhere. Let's deal with that one and calmly and swiftly. Mm-hmm. How do we do that? I think, I think having a head office is crucial. Operations, head of food, head of bar, HR, marketing, the communication comes from having a head office. So we can sit and I, we talk to our head office. We have two meetings a week with them. And one is a huge one. And one is just to catch up on a Friday morning and just going, right, how are we going to deal with the weekend? What problems have come up since Tuesday? And then like this morning, me and the ops manager, we got on a call with the general manager and Angel. And we said, hey, look, we're noticing this with you. What can we do to help? How can we solve this? And it's like short term predicting ahead as well as the huge like year aheads as well. Um, but without the head office, it would just be Tass and myself, like not and no, no communication. It's a very stressful job. It's a stressful industry. We're also staring down the barrel of like a very stressful time. And like, how do you as a person take care of yourself to be able to guide the business and take care of your team? I'm strict with myself and making sure I do get time off. And so is Tass. I exercise a lot. I Like even if there's a shower in the basement at Borough. And so if I'm there like doing a lunch and a dinner, like recently I've just like, I don't know, three, four o'clock in the afternoon, I've just put my running shoes on and go for a run, like have a shower and then go back and like help for the evening service. I don't know, exercise has always been a massive one for me. Just if I'm exercising, I feel like I don't, I don't mind whatever else I do. Every few weeks I just say to my wife, do you wanna go and have dinner? Like put it in the diary and make sure like my relationship is being looked after. I think that, that those are skills we develop over time when we're faced yeah. with challenges. And I wonder, like, what was your process of figuring out what worked for you and how bad did it have to get before you were like, wow, I really need to be more regimented, sort of about how I manage my own stress? We, I've gone to both extremes, right? It's, I've, done, I've done it where you've done 80 hours a week at, like in the restaurants and then, and then you're on your laptop when you get home and on your, like, you're in the seven days a week and it just is exhausting. And actually, those aren't the worst points. The worst points is it is when things like scheduled maintenance aren't being done. And then suddenly you have a restaurant that has no extraction. Like the drainage is fucked and shit comes up through the floor. All of these things happen. So you're like open. You've got a load of staff on shift and then things are exploding and you've got a restaurant full of customers at the same time. Those are the stressful points. And so the way we've learned that is scheduled maintenance, like Mm -hmm. make sure the buildings are always going Mm -hmm. to work. So what you're applying to the business, you've also learned how to apply to yourself and vice versa. So you're like, I need to schedule things. I need to like create a structure in which I know things are being taken care of so that things literally don't erupt through the floors. And it's the same with yourself. You're like, I know if I'm exercising, if I'm taking time to do that, if I like you know, have some sexy time every 14 days, like all of those things mean that like you don't reach a point where you get really, really unwell. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, I think that scheduled maintenance personally and uh, (laughs) like some point you start to learn that the consistency is so key. Yeah. Do you think that that has been sort of the greatest difficulty in taking care of yourself is just maintaining that consistency? Yes, but then also now I quite enjoy the inconsistency. Like with opening Borough, I've really enjoyed like working evenings. Mm. And then like some mornings I'm on my phone and I can speak to anyone if they need, but I might just spend the morning like take the dog for a walk 
and mm -hmm. so I quite enjoy the odd mm -hmm. uh, like bit of change. Sometimes I get a bit bored of just like sitting in the office. So it's quite nice mm -hmm. to be thrown into the restaurants and stuff. I think you were, I don't know. I think I seem to have had this like built in thing where stress would like sit like that. And you, you know, when it's, you just look and you can't see a way out of anything. I seem to have got really good at recognizing that feeling and going, right, what are you going to do? And like actioning a way out of it. Who do I need to call? What am I, what do I need to plan? And suddenly within like, I don't know, a day you can get, you can find your way out of most problems. That's a really incredible skill to have. Yeah, I guess it's like therapy though. It's like, you've got to recognize when you're feeling anxious or whatever and going, oh, I'm there again. How do I, how do I move from this point rather than it spiraling? And I think I recognize now, oh, I'm there again. Okay, what do I need to do? Having that information about yourself, does that affect the way that you take care of other people? Yeah, totally. I can see when other people spiral and when they're like, you know, you can look at a manager sometimes when they're on shift and they've got a full restaurant, they're short staffed, suddenly and the Amazon driver's delivering 15 packages and then the guy turns up with a chair delivery and like, you can see them just exploding. Mm. And you just go, hey, just go and take five minutes, have a drink, I'll cover the floor, come back and I promise it's all fine. Like, there's a way out of it. Don't worry. It tends to be the way I manage people. There's something interesting about how the more you manage people that way and the more that that's sort of the bottom line of what you're communicating, the more you believe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like it might start originally as a tactic because you're like, okay, I'm dealing with three like freaked out managers who are really overwhelmed, but don't worry, guys, there's a way out of it. And then that becomes a message that you receive also. And sort of helping people through the shit helps you through the shit. Yeah. I think particularly jobs like this that are so community-based and so, so team-driven it means that for the most part, you're not walking through it alone. And if you are, you're doing it wrong. And also Tass is, he's so mentally strong. He doesn't get, I mean, I can, I see him from time to time, things get on top of him and he can spiral, but it's so rare. He's so good at going, right, how do we get out of this? What's the plan? Uh, he's so practical. And mm. that's really useful to have as a business partner. Is that why you work well together? Would you say that you're more emotionally driven or dictated and he's more practically driven or dictated? Or do you think you're sort of a balance? I'd say that, that I'd say that there's definitely something in that. Yeah. That, um, and I'd say that we've both got better at each other's strengths as well. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I'm more, yeah, I'd agree with that. And we're starting to learn from each other. And I know that Tass has done a lot of work as well in terms of managing people and, and so on over the years. And his like practical, right, let's not, let's not f flail around here. Like, what do we do? How do we get out of this? Has rubbed off on me as well. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, there's, there's two strengths there that kind of help each other. It also must be a very weird feeling to start in Balam and literally you guys knew the most about the business all the time. Like you would have been the voices, of, you knew what was happening on the floor, you know what's happening in the kitchen, you, like you would have been the people that know the most. And as you grow, it's an interesting challenge because you're forced to acknowledge that like the managers on the floors of your restaurants probably know more about those sites than you do in terms of like how things are going on a day-to-day -day basis. Totally. And other people are going to know as much and sometimes more than you. And that's a part of the business. I think you have to be, I don't know. I, I've, I've spoken to other people who run other businesses and it's completely separate from hospitality. And I think something I've learned from them is that they employ people that are like you need an operations mm -hmm. manager get the best operations manager you can mm -hmm. like don't like it, it it almost becomes an ego thing if you're like 
well, I want to, I'm going to, I need to employ someone who's going to listen to me. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't work. You need to employ someone who's going to come with some awesome skills and you've got to learn to like our job as, as managing directors is to go right. Brilliant. That's their skill. How do we shape that in with his and her skill and get them to then just, I mean, essentially we just make sure that the weekly and monthly procedures are followed out and guide people and, and, and make sure they're happy and everything's sort of fine tuned. How do you measure your success in that? really solid reports from the teams coming through and all three managers or all nine managers because of bar and head chefs uh saying hey everything's great Mm -hmm. and then positive feedback coming from the guests which we Mm -hmm. manage on uh we have like a platform that accumulates seven rooms which is the booking system google TripAdvisor, blah 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 Mm -hmm. and so if that's positive the figures are positive and the team are all going we're having a great time and everything's going really well then we know that it's what you're fun. doing is working. Yeah, because yeah, it's all well and good. The figures being great and everyone having a great time. But if the team are then saying we're having a fucking awful time, <laughs> it's a matter of days until both of the, the other go. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's hard to convince business owners that if the staff are really happy, literally enjoying their jobs, that everything else will go up. Yeah. Like tables will spend more. People will they will go the extra mile for you as a business. I, I totally agree with you. You've got to listen to the staff and make sure they're enjoying themselves and make sure they're only working the hours that they agreed they were going to work and and so on. But there's a line in there and well, so it's think, like these parameters that you have to kind of... But I don't even know if there's a line there necessarily, but it's that you need to... It has to marry with people that take the job seriously. Totally. And if you're married with people that take the job seriously, you don't have to be worried about where that line is. Agreed. Agreed. That balance will be naturally achieved. And it goes to like finding folks that it goes to a development thing, I think, where it's like finding folks that have passion for the industry and figuring out what their skills are. And I think that we have very little idea or like when you're working on the floor of a restaurant or even for yourself, going from working like behind the bar at a caravan to owning your own restaurant if I asked you at the time you were bartending, like, can you name 10 jobs that you can have in the hospitality industry that aren't a bartender and like, aren't in the kitchen, let's say, like cut out all the chef roles. I mean, I couldn't have done that when I was on the floor and I probably couldn't have either. So if I'm somebody and I know that I'm good at it, but I don't really want to be a waitress forever. If I'm not seen from the top and then like, Hey, here are all these jobs that you could do one day with the skill set you have. And that sort of passion isn't engaged or that sense of trajectory isn't engaged those are people that will no longer take it seriously because it doesn't feel like there's a future in it. Yeah. So that in some ways also as people that are running the business, like, and you mentioned that as like being one of those thirds that you talk about of negotiating is like trajectory and looking at people and where they can go and how we can develop them. And if you're doing that right, like that balance, I think will naturally be struck. Yeah. Agreed. But of course it's easier said than done. Like, the more people you have and the, there's only so many hours in the day. So I understand why that sometimes doesn't happen in places. But when I see the restaurants that I, I can see it, it feels so successful when you're in them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you go out to eat and you're like, the staff are vibing, like they like being here at the tables. They're having a good time with each other. Like they're communicating with the kitchen in a way that feels like really productive, like all of that. And I'm sure you're the same when you go to eat that you're like eagle eyed for everything yeah. and you're like watching to see and being in those environments, like you can really feel the energy. Like, totally. And, and actually, and it's then, incredible. like, and, and most of the time when you're in that, that specific environment, 
you kind of don't really mind what you end up paying as long as it's like mm. you know within reason i remember yeah. going to a restaurant in amsterdam i can't remember the name and i just had a really fucking good time and everyone was clearly having a great time mm. and they were everything was so like perfectly personal and I, 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 don't, I don't know what I ended up paying. I know, it wasn't, I know it wasn't cheap, but you just kind of go, yeah, whatever. Like this evening was great. You've entertained us and you've really looked after us. We feel like we've had a really awesome night. And so you just go, sure, here's, here's the cash. Yeah. Uh, and like, I'm always getting dessert in that situation. I'm always going to get another glass of wine or whatever, because just being in there is so nice. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. The, the way that the industry is at the moment is so hard to, it's so hard to get that. Retention is like, is, is so bad. It's just like the wages go up overnight. And so people are jumping ship and it's really difficult to keep up and build that culture. Mm. We know we want it and we absolutely know that there are nights and weeks that we aren't delivering that. I can see it, but yeah. I can't go in there and just like to a new waitress be like, hey, have a good vibe about you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, no, it, definitely don't do that. Yeah, like it yeah. doesn't make sense. It's a slow build, and um, you kind of have to be at peace with the fact that you haven't trained everyone properly yet. Mm. And um, and managers, have, the managers are brilliant at, at knowing that. I have conversations with them weekly about it, and they're going, "Look, we know that we're delivering subpar service." but I'm making sure I get to tables. They're touching every table and chatting mm. to them and just keeping it like, you know, so we might have a waiter who's never opened a bottle of wine in their life and do it at the table. And that's bad if no one says anything afterwards, but if the manager goes over and talks about it and chats and makes a bit of a joke, it becomes fine. Um, mm -hmm. and so I, I'm really grateful for the, for how good our managers are at the moment Yeah. Uh, in, in recognizing the issues we're facing, where we want to be and how we're going to get there. Well, and I think it's not about being the perfect restaurant every single day. It's about understanding where you're not and then facilitating that. Yeah, and you're yeah. so right that that is the difference. And I do think that there is a generosity with people at the moment where there's been more chatter about how difficult the industry is right now. And yeah. I can feel a softness when people are going out to eat and they know that there's so much inexperience on the floors right now. There's a patience that didn't exist before COVID. Yeah, that will go at some point. Yeah. Uh, it will go when... Will the, appear, but... I think it's going to go when people are going to start having to pay that bit more, which is coming if in in April. When you're suddenly paying 50, 60 quid a head for a standard meal, yeah, then you're going to go, well, hold the fuck on. like. Well, well and everyone's going to be broke. Like, I think that we're yeah. entering this period of, like, everyone, like, mass stress and, like... I yeah. mean, if we're not already there, like, you know, nobody feels good and everyone's mental health is really bad. And so that's, and that's people working in restaurants. That's also people going to them. Yeah. And that combination is like, can be a bit of a pressure cooker. And I think is going to be, it's going to be really challenging. And, and don't get me wrong. Like it, it sounds like I'm kind of doom and gloom about it. And there's, yeah, partly I am and I'm nervous about it, but our reaction, Tass and my reaction to it is, well, if we're going to have to charge more, we're going to have to give them something else in return, which is a better experience and better mm -hmm. service. And how do we do that? Okay, we increase our pay. We make mm -hmm. sure benefit, that the staff benefits are there. We make sure that everyone is being offered development. And that's really clear from the get-go. And then how do you do that? Like, I had a conversation last week with the three general managers. I was like, look, like, if you've got new starters, they need to be going through the two-week induction process. You can't just throw them in a section. 
So how do you stop that, right? Give me your, the ops manager a call. We will come and mm -hmm. do those shifts for the next month mm -hmm. to make sure that people are being inducted properly. And like, let's, let's break the wheel now is, is kind of the kind of discussions we're having. I think that's really smart. And I think that the people that do sort of weather the storm and push through and like survive the next year or two, they will be exceptional employers in the end. Mm. Yeah. Like you will be the best employers you've ever been at the end of all of this. Oh my God. And if we were, if we were this employer, we are now three years ago before all of the, the like the nonsense, like in, like in the awesome year of like 2016, like. Oh, 2016. <laughs> what a time. Yeah. Like, if we were like this employer then, it, it, yeah, it would be. Um, it's also hard if a business is built, and we've talked about this in terms of managers before. But if a business's success is built on a cult of personality, it becomes difficult. Like if you have, and we see this all the time, where we work with someone and they're amazing, or we have a manager we love, or we have a good relationship to an owner. If that person left, and all of a sudden behind them, like dominoes fall, yeah, and totally. it's also a great deal of pressure, I think, for people that are those like. If people are like, well, I really like working for Alex and that's part of what I love about my job. And you know for a fact that you haven't really like been around and been connecting with those people, there must be a grip of panic in the back of your mind that goes, fuck, if they don't feel like I'm still like Alex and that guy that they like to work for or they're not seeing me a lot, like is their sort of confidence in our business going to change or is their confidence in their trajectory going to change? Yeah. And that's a lot of pressure for one human man, you know? Totally, yeah. And I, But I think then we have over the years, Tess and I talked about like, what like why do people want to work for us why why do they enjoy it and it's like well it's because of this and the way we treat people or the way we are with people okay well how do we systemize that how can we make sure that's always there and it doesn't rely on the individual we once had the funniest feedback from someone who took a job with us i can't remember who it was but they go i looked at the job advert online and i just um i thought you were a scam <laughs> and they were like we looked at your website i just thought you were a scam we were like holy fuck that is some intense feedback <laughs> I mean, thank God she said something. Yeah, it was a few years ago, but... Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah um, the website looks great. Don't you worry. <laughs> it looks really, really legit. What do you love about the job? Like, what do you love about doing My this? My favorite thing about this job is that it's completely and utterly creative, yet it has to marry with, uh, like like systems and logistics and, and finances. And so like, it's so interesting how the, it's the two separate worlds like combined in one, because it's all about experience and like, like vibe in a restaurant and how the, like the journey someone goes on at the meal, the drink, the service and everything. Yet ultimately, if, if how you've calculated the GPs or how many waiters you've got on or the the, I don't know, the fit outs of the restaurant in terms of paying back debt. Like there's so many things that have to marry up behind the scenes in order for that experience to then be able to be delivered continuously. And I love balancing that. The fact that that is what you love about this job makes you uniquely qualified to be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you just listed is like, oh yeah, that's why I'll never own a restaurant. <laughs> like, I'm just, I just, my underboob has just started sweating. You know, like, I just can't imagine anything worse. And that's your favorite thing. Um, but I love that. That's fabulous. Um, okay, we're going to do a few quick fire questions and then I'm going to let you get on with the rest of your day. Okay. Um, if you could only go to one London restaurant for the rest of your life, it can't be Brother Marcus, what restaurant would it be? One London restaurant for the rest of my life. God, this isn't very quick fire, is it? Oh, I just had like eight names come into my head at once. 
Um, with my wife, Gloria. Favorite dessert? Oh my God. I can't do quick fire. Like nine things <laughs> in my head at once. I really like profiteroles. No, I don't. I don't like profiteroles that much. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so average. Okay, can you name perhaps like a dessert that you enjoyed recently? Like last night, I nailed a tub of mango ice, uh, mango sorbet, the Hackney gelato. Awesome. <laughs> what is the most frustrating part of British culture? People don't talk about anything. What's your favorite view in London? What's the one in um, on Hampstead Heath? And you've got like the thing, the like the metal board, and it tells you where everything is. I've it's never been there. Can you describe what you can see from that junction? Is it just a metal board, and that's <laughs> everything? No, no, no. You can see everything in London. Very good. Um, what's your favorite sauce? My favorite sauce, chimichurri. Um, what's your dream dinner guest? They can be dead. I think I think it would be Noel Coward. Even if he's dead, I just would love to meet the guy. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on and chatting shit with me. And this has been a real pleasure. Oh, good timing. Wow, is that your hour? Crushed it. Wow. Yeah. Beyond the Past is produced by Kelly's Cause Foundation. For more information about Kelly's Cause, please head to kellyscause.com or find us on Instagram at kellyscause.